Welcome on into the 2-3 podcast. I am Cam. That is Zach. Episode 6 of Season 3. Merry Christmas with four wins in a row edition. It feels great to be a Syracuse fan right now. The boys are rolling. We're 8-2, officially 8-2, non-conference record. That's fantastic. You know, those two losses come to top 10 opponents run the west of them maybe not every game was pretty but we got the job done and we're sitting eight and two that is that's quite that's quite the record i have never felt not too bad about two losses more than this year does that make i don't think that made much sense but when you look at our losses they were against really good teams were we realistically going to beat those teams obviously we hope to beat them but no, Gonzaga and Tennessee were just too much of uh too much for us to handle. I still think that there's a lot that we took out from from those two games and right now I think that you could pretty much say that this is the best basketball that we've played this year, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, we're really looking great. I I, I obviously we knew to get to mention the little laps we had the last 4 minutes against Niagara. Red also was not happy with that. But other than that, we looked really great. I don't know if you can recall this too, but since G-Town, there was a clip they posted of, of Red talking about this, this win is for, for Syracuse, this is for the team, this is for the family. And ever since that moment, it really feels like these guys are playing as a team, as a family, and they're really representing Syracuse in, in like as a, as a team and a family. I don't know if you've noticed that too. I have, yeah. I've noticed that there's been a lot more energy with this group. The win against Oregon really solidified that. I think against Niagara, uh, there was a couple lapses in play. I don't know if you could chalk that up to the boys just wanting to be done and go to winter break or whether it it was just, (laughs) it's, that is probably part of it. But also I think that you could also just say it's a young group. Silly things are going to happen. You know, boneheaded mistakes are going to happen. I'd rather them happen against a team like Niagara where we're getting the win. And like Red said, you never take a win for granted. But when it comes to that last, the last four minutes of that game, it, it is stuff that really should not be taken lightly. Um, but I think overall, it, as a whole, this team is playing the best basketball in almost every facet that you can see. And it's been an overused question here on the 2-3, but I do want to ask you, when you saw us right now, we're 11 games in thinking about us at the beginning of the year. Did you think that we were going to be at this point, 11 games into the year? I feel like we've come a really long way. Yeah, I think we've really progressed. You know, we started off the year a little slower than we were hoping to, you know, those first two games early on there should have been what we thought, you know, easy games, but they're pretty tight. Obviously like they weren't, you know, down the wire, but they were they were closer than they were expected, and we've really kind of grinded our way through pretty much every single game. You know, recently, you know, we have been getting some pretty pretty big wins. You know, Oregon, we we absolutely blew the the lid off yeah. the roof. But other than that, you know, we've really been grinding to some really really solid wins throughout this whole schedule, and we've really come a far away from from our first tip off to to today. It's it's uh, quite the journey, and we're we're 
a little bit under halfway here, and I just can't wait to see this team in March. Keep in mind, too, Oregon, a very good team, has been riddled with injuries. Big and time. against us, they were not at full strength. So it's only going to get better, too. They're bound to be a good win. I know they're predicted to be a pretty solid win in the Pac-12, but um, a pretty solid team in the Pac-12, I should say. But that's only going to improve our resume. That's a very, very good win that we had against them. It was a really controlling win. It kind of surprised me with how well we were playing throughout the entire contest. It seemed like it was not really, not, not, not I shouldn't say not a game, but the amount of help that we had from the bench, I feel like the past two games especially has, has really shown what this bench can do um, against pretty, pretty formidable opponents like Oregon. Yeah, they had 44 points off the bench against Oregon, 40 versus Niagara. The boys led by Quadir, Kyle coming in hot, and Benny coming in. This is his third game in a row where he's had some really great positive contributions to the team. And I think this is the best spot, him in particular, we've seen all year based on his storyline and all the things and adversity he's he's gone through his, his whole Syracuse career. I feel like the Benny arc is going to be a documentary at some point because the amount of times that fans have been against him, have been for him, the program has has benched him and then propped him up. Granted, Red, during this entire time, has said that there is a role for Benny on this team. Keep that in mind because even when he was down at his worst level when he was being suspended and benched for we we still don't really know what it was for red was still committed to benny and i think that that is something that um i have i I don't think i have personally given red enough credit for i still don't agree with keeping everything really really hush hush because we still don't know what the suspension was all about we more than likely will never know but I appreciate the the program really standing by him because I'm assuming behind closed doors, there's reasons for everything on the team, reasons for his benching, reasons for him not playing a ton of minutes each game. But what we've seen from Benny the past couple of games is that he's he's coming back slowly but surely, and hopefully by now he has finally turned a corner. Yeah, I just want to echo what you said about Red one more time. It really is great. He's he's really had Benny's back, and he's just, like you said, he's shown throughout this whole process that he's going to keep family matters to the family. And while, you know, Cuse Nation is, you know, part of the family to a degree, he's going to keep those personal matters with him and Benny and the team to to, to him and Benny and, and the team. So I respect it at the end of the day. And it's great to see that Benny seems like he's in a positive spot. The team's in a positive spot, positive place. And we're just, we're on the upward slope, it feels like, especially with Benny. And I just think we need to also jump over to our guy, Quadier, because he has erupted since Georgetown. He really has. You didn't really know what his role was going to be in the beginning of the year. You thought, well, maybe he's going to get some play time. He had a couple of solid games last year. But at the end of the day, he was kind of low on the totem pole as far as the recruits coming in. We didn't really know what we were going to get out of him too much. But over the past couple of games, he has showed everybody that 
he has a role on the team. And it's not fair to compare him to past players because he brings so much energy when he's on the court, even when he's off the court, when he's on the bench, you see it. He'll get up on it. He's the first one every single time on a breakaway dunk to start jumping. Every single time he is the guy to to be hyping up whoever is on the fast break. So he is the team's player. He is the team's like spirit. And I'm really, really happy to see from a, an actual playing standpoint, his game is translating really, really well to this team. A lot more so than I think I, I was expecting in the beginning of the year. I mean, yeah, we've always been high on Cordier. We've always loved and appreciated the energy that he brings on and off the court. But now he's really taking it to the next level on the court. And his game is is thriving. It's shining. And he's really making a case for himself to be a huge contributor on this team moving forward. And, you know, he's such a versatile guy. And it's been amazing to see him. Like, he's he's truly, truly erupted since Georgetown. And he's on a, now a third game in a row, playing great, looking, looking for looking for his players. You know, his eight assists against Niagara, five against Oregon. He he just does a little bit of everything, and he's good at everything. And in the little uh, you know, sh- the little cherry on top is that he has a little razzle dazzle. He loves that spin move. He's a little flashy, and it, he's just a fun guy to watch. So. Looking back, or yeah, looking back on his games last year, again, he didn't get too many minutes. We didn't see him too much. Towards the end of the year, we were starting to see him a little bit more and see what he was capable of. But uh, I want to ask you, from last year to this year, what do you think the transition was that he made? Because it seems like his game has been exactly the same. It's just that he's getting more minutes and that he's even more flashy this year. I think... I mean, obviously, he was able to grow a little bit with a limited time. You know, he had a great game last year against, I think that was Pitt, the game we lost in the Dome last yeah. year. He had a great game against Pitt last year. But I just think he was a little too far out of the rotation. You know, JG3 and Cy and other other guys were before him. And just, like, early on this year, his style of play, his flashiness does get him in trouble. He does a little too much. And at the point last year, he didn't have enough, he didn't have the leash to make the mistakes and particularly Jim, Jim would not let any of that stuff kind of any of that stuff fly. So this year, you know, he, he's moved up a level. He's a little closer in the rotation. You know, he's like six, seven month off the bench. And, you know, his early on in the year, red has given him some leeway when he's made mistakes. And now he's blossoming into one of our, our best six, seven guys off the bench. The other guy who, over the past two games, has been electric is Kyle Cuff. Against Oregon, eight points. Uh, tonight against Niagara, he had seven. Really starting to find, everybody's starting to find their role. And you kind of expect that in this point of the season, that 11 games in, everybody kind of understands where they are on the totem pole. If you have a guy like Benny, maybe they're moving up and down throughout the year. But a guy like Kyle really kind of had to chip his way into the role. There was a little lag there where he really wasn't getting too much play time against LSU. He had three minutes, Georgetown, he had three minutes, but he's every time he's been on the court, the past two games, he's really made his presence known. And I feel like if you're a bench player who is still trying to find their rhythm, that's all you can ask for is just try to find 
something that you're good at, try to find some sort of momentum for the team. And I feel like Kyle has done a really, really good job uh, finding his his role on the squad. No, he's been fantastic. And he's been shooting the ball really well. The past two games, he's only missed one three. He, he made one tonight against Niagara, and then he's two for three against Oregon. So he's shooting at a very high rate. He's finding good shots, and and he's making them. And he's not stealing all the threes either. You know, he's, he's shooting, you know, he only shot four threes and made three of them. So hats off to Kyle. He's really he's really found his spot on this roster, and I think we'll only see him continue to blossom. You know, we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but guys like JT and, and Chris haven't really been that great recently. So it's really nice to have a guy like Kyle that can shoot because when you have your shooters – that are missing and you're missing somebody who's out there who can at least hit a three. It's going to be that guy, Kyle. It's going to be him. He he might not be a starter, but you can at least, you need somebody to rely on. Okay. Chris isn't working. JT's having a rough game. Get Kyle out there. See if he can get some momentum for us. And I feel like that's what Kyle is able to provide. And I feel like earlier in the year, it's not that he wasn't getting his chances. It was just, the chances that he was given, he really wasn't able to do much with them. Now, though, he's really starting to find his groove in the game. And at the end of the day, with with these younger guys, it's just a matter of getting repetitions and getting on the floor, putting on that Syracuse jersey and just trying to get used to it. Because you can imagine that there's a little bit of competition with each and you know each of these guys. Maybe not people like Judah, who are really kind of the, the top echelon of, of the roster, but... Guys like Kyle are trying to fight for some playtime, and to have games like that, it's got to feel fantastic. So hats off to him. Another guy that we touched on earlier that's kind of going through the same thing is Benny. He's been fantastic. Um, I do want to ask you, with the struggles, I guess you could say, that JT has been having and Chris has been having, do you think if Benny is able to keep on this trajectory that he could potentially find his way back into the starting role or do you think that that's just that's out of the question right now I mean at this point I think it's a little bit out of the question he still has some you know a gap to make up from the time he's missed and he's on a great path and I think you know just baby steps game at a time day at a time and once he feels more like himself and if if he continues to to kind of climb the ladder we can get to that discussion, but at this point, he he's this you know he he's finally at a point where he's like consistent, doing like some some small things here and there, sprinkling in some some good contributions, and we know, we need to build from there. And we're we're just not quite at the point where we can really consider him being a starting role. So, but he's on a great he's he's really in a really positive spot right now. So hopefully he can continue. I thought it was interesting. On the broadcast, I think Devo had mentioned it, that they were watching Cuse's uh, practice the other day, and they had mentioned that Moo was the vocal leader in the bigs. And I did not expect that, because earlier in the year, he wasn't playing too much. We were kind of wondering where he even was. He wasn't touching the roster at all. But Moo being the vocal guy kind of makes sense. He's, I'm pretty sure, the most senior leader of the bigs. And to, you know, he doesn't get too many minutes. I think tonight he only got like a handful of minutes, but to have a guy like that is the sort of leadership that we had been looking for 
pretty much all year. We're still kind of looking for it. And I don't know. Moo is not really the guy that I had pictured to be in that role. But I guess if you think about it, it kind of it kind of makes sense that he is. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a veteran when it comes to the centers. You, you know, you have Naheem, who's first year of the program. You have Big Will. You know, I guess I guess Peter Carey has been here the same amount of time, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, in terms of experience, he's the most veteran player that's worn a Syracuse uniform. So it was interesting to hear that, though. But it was cool. I'm, I'm glad uh, Moose out there leading in practice and letting these guys know what's going on. And it, it's cool. It, unfortunately, you know, only three minutes tonight and nothing too grand or terribly positive to note, but. You know, I think there'll be times where Red thinks we, we need him, and he's shown this year that when we do need him in certain situations, he we can use him, and he sta- he steps up and contributes. So we'll see how where that goes. I guess he was – there was an article somewhere that he was like – I think he had a back injury or something that he was nursing. So I guess there was more of a reason than just not playing. But nonetheless, move a vocal leader to the bigs. It has not been all fantastic. I, I think over the past two games, we've seen something that we haven't seen all year, and that's JT and Chris kind of struggling. I think Chris's struggles have been a little bit more apparent than JT's. If you look at his stats, uh, Justin Taylor hasn't really put up a ton of points all year. I, I don't remember what his, his career, not career, his season best is, but I can't. it's really not a ton Whereas Chris was putting up 20 point games in like three or four contests this year. So to have a couple duds is definitely something that you need to circle on your paper. But when you have a guy like Chris, who I don't, I don't mean this to be disrespectful in any way. His game's a little bit one dimensional. He kind of doesn't really have anything else other than shooting. He can drive. He's got a decent, I don't know. He can kind of dribble a little bit, but really he's just kind of a straight up shooter. So when you're not shooting well, your woes are kind of highlighted. So it's nice to have guys be able to pick them up. But how concerned are you personally with with JT and Chris sort of struggling as of late? It's a little concerning. I I do think that was that's my biggest question mark. Obviously, especially Chris has been having a fantastic year. He's really erupted from his freshman season, you know, dropping huge games against Colgate and LSU and most recently Cornell. But ever since that Cornell game, he's, he's took a big drop, you know, in points. And I don't know if he's just too much in his head. I mean, obviously shooters have droughts and they, they struggle. And I think that's the issue with Chris, like you already mentioned, is when he is, if he is in a little bit of a drought right now, what else can he offer to this team? Not the best rebounder, you know, at times we've seen him contribute pretty well on defense, but recently, I mean, he he had some blocks today against Niagara, so like, you know, it's not like he doesn't contribute at all, but it is a little concerning what he's able to offer other than his shooting ability, and when it, it feels like when he isn't hitting and when his shot is off, it kind of feels like maybe someone else should be you know, checking in for him, unfortunately. And JT can rebound. He's got a good inside He's leading our rebounder. He is a leading rebounder. So 
he's at least bringing that to the table where I feel like Chris has the unfortunate circumstance of he's a shooter. He's a very good shooter, but that's kind of it. He, he kind of lives by the three, dies by the three. And unfortunately, guys like that, you look at a guy like Clay Thompson, who's been, who was struggling a lot and kind of has, you know, been in the, the limelight a little bit for, for not being too good. Unfortunately, shooters like that, if they're cold, they're cold. And um, the energy that they bring to the team is definitely lacking. But it kind of brings up the, uh, the, the point of the bench has been fantastic. So they've been picking up the starters where they're leaving off. A guy like Naheem, too, who's been having a really rough time um, trying to get some minutes on the floor. The bench is coming up and stepping up for him. I mean, Malik has been fantastic. So I, I think as a whole, this team is doing a really, really good job patching patching the holes where where we've seen uh, other teams in the past sort of struggle to do that. Uh, there was a joke on the broadcast that Jim was only running six or seven guys at most. Right now, we're running, I don't know, probably like 10. And it's 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 really nice to be able to have that sort of depth to to the bench that we've been lacking. Yeah, I really love like the two team rotation of the stars. And then you have kind of like the energy squad of Quadir, Kyle, and Benny coming in along with, of course, Malik. They kind of come in. And today against Niagara, literally all four of them checked in at the same time and played at the same time and and they really bring a different energy a different pace to the game and that's what saved us against Georgetown and it made impact today as well like we already mentioned 40 points off the bench I don't know I really do like the the two different squads here and it it feels like the these squads play well together like those four guys like coming off the bench, they they like to play together, and, and like they just have this camaraderie of like, yo, let's let's go in there, turn, turn things around, and let's get things going, and it's cool to see. I do have, um, I think, a, a pretty serious question that we need to talk about. Uh, unfortunately, the sort of the um, the guy who's been struggling on the starting line has been Naheem. He has been having a pretty rough time, especially on defense, and he's not really much of a point getter. He can rebound. He can rebound pretty well. Malik has come in and shown that he is he's the best defender on the team. I, I have in my notes here that one could argue that Malik is the best defender. I think that we both agree that Malik is the best defender on the team. Along with that, he's averaging more points than Naheem and is pretty much averaging more minutes than Naheem. So the question becomes, should Malik at this point just start and get more minutes and just have Naheem start on the bench and bring him in when you kind of need to get some size in there? What are you thinking with, with Naheem? We, like you said in the beginning of the year, we kind of have a Naheem problem and we still kind of do. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think it necessarily hurts us that much to start Naheem, especially because if, if things aren't looking good, Red is not afraid to to take him out. Like he, 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 I don't think he's afraid to put to put Malik in there. And I do think that, I mean, I think Malik plays well with whatever group he's out there. But I do think this this that four four guy energy group these last few games, 
are really clicking and when they're all in the game together they just they just they just have fun together and i don't know they have like a special synergy so like part of me wants to preserve that synergy and energy that they have for them all to come off the bench because it is a different role to, to start even though malik practically already is playing starting minutes it does kind of shift your perspective and the way you 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 play a little bit. I mean, we did see Malik get a few starts last year, and for whatever reason, those games he didn't necessarily perform the best in. I don't know why. Maybe it's just more of a mental thing, and I, I don't think that's a really great reason not to start him in general. But I don't. Know, I'm back and forth with the Naheem thing because in a way, it's like if you don't start Naheem. I feel like starting Naheem gives you the best opportunity to get the most from him. Otherwise, like if Malik is playing well, unless he's really getting killed because there's some guy out there, some big guy out there and you need the height, when would Naheem ever need to come in, you know? Well, that's a big question is, I've had that in the back of my head. Is this, is Malik's success sustainable? And I have been asking that all year long. And every single game, Malik has proved that it is 100% sustainable. But he, let's be real, doesn't fit a center role. He can play really, really good defense and he can hold his own. But he's basically like a, a Dolajai where he really shouldn't be in that role to begin with. So the question becomes, when he's overpowered against uh, a taller, bigger center, then what's going to happen? Are you going to put Naheem in so that way you can get that height? Are you just going to leave Malik in there and just see if he can figure it out? Because right now you've been going up against, I'm not going to say weaker centers, but certainly Niagara doesn't have the best centers in the world. But this is the question that we've been asking ourselves all year long, and he's been going up against Tennessee. He's been going up against um, uh, Oregon, and you know all these bigger schools, and he has still continued to find success. So, I think I agree with what you're saying that what's the harm in starting Naheem, and it very well could be a mental thing where maybe he just likes watching the game from the bench, kind of getting the feel for the game going in there and making the adjustments as as needed. But shouldn't you start the best five is my question to that. Shouldn't you start the best five when Malik clearly is the best, included in the best starting five that you can put out there on the court? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't disagree that Malik is playing way better and so far we haven't really seen a huge disadvantage with him being at the five maybe at times against you know the those bigger schools of Tennessee and Gonzaga but other than that like Malik has has fared pretty well you know like he you know you you compare him to, to Dolzhai and obviously you know they're they're different players but in terms of just a, a four taking the center position Malik, Malik's pretty, 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 pretty built guy. You know, he definitely has some some muscle on him, and obviously he doesn't doesn't quite have the height. But other than that, like he he's not you know falling over or getting totally bullied around. So I, I do think ultimately though, like it, it's really hard to tr- truly know until we put it to the test, and that's coming real quick because when we go down 
to play Duke. Obviously, they have a great center. I don't think I need to say his name, but we'll, we'll know exactly what happens in that game because you know he's a threat all, all around the court, and I just don't think Naheem's gonna be able to keep up with him. If we had like a, if he had like a matchup against some center who wasn't gonna shoot threes or wasn't gonna shoot jumpers then I think we could fare decently well. But anytime Naheem is caught up in any sort of defensive rotations or especially any any sort of pick-and-roll situations, more often than not, he does not fare well. So take that with what you will. But I guess I don't know what the, what the answer is. But I think... I don't know. I, I think the, the thing is Naheem, the chances for him to do something potentially is to start see what he can do if things aren't happening then put Malik in here's my question to wrap up uh, this Malik conundrum who is a better center well I guess I should say who is a better center Malik or Dolajai um, that's an interesting question <laughs> I mean, they're comparable in terms of, obviously, they're both two forwards out playing out of position. Mm-hmm. Dolajai played well. I mean, I think Dolajai was, he was like more, he was smart, you know, because he had to use his size. You know, he took that famous charge against Zion, mm-hmm. you know, putting his body on the line. I mean, that's back when you could actually get a charge in college basketball, but that's a different <laughs> topic. Who's a better though? I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't know how to compare that. They're, they're totally different players at the end of the day. Because de- defensively, like, I would say, I would argue Malik is a better player, better center. Offensively, Dolzhai kind of has a totally different arsenal. But defensively, mm-hmm. I would honestly say that Malik, I think, would fare better defensively. I would love to see that matchup. I would pay good money to see, I would pay a ticket to go see that matchup. <laughs> um, I think, I agree. I think Doli would probably squeak it out. I think he'd probably squeak out the better line, but Dolly was really scrappy and that's what made him a very good impromptu center was how scrappy he was. He's just smart overall too. just a super high. Yeah, IQ. he really is. Yes. 100%. Um, I do want to highlight one more person before we move on to our final thing. We got a little bit of a, a game, a couple of awards to give out because it is the end of the year just want to highlight one person that we haven't really touched on too much uh, here at the 2-3, and that's J.J. Starling. He has really found his groove, averaging the most minutes per game on this squad, and I really feel like we haven't really given him enough love here at the 2-3. But another, I mean, you talk about finding your role on the team. J.J. has been the guy. The thing is, is that Judah kind of goes through his hot and cold streaks. J.J. was going through the same thing, but... He's a little bit more of a not as emotional player and he's able to kind of control everything and you can he's just the guy that you can trust with the ball in really high pressure situations. I've been really really loving his role on the team and I'm really happy that he's been able to find such a a big role on, on the squad. Yeah, you know, he's starting to find his shooting stroke. He took a little step back against Niagara, but we're going we're going to we're not going to worry about that too much. He has been seeming like he's, he's been finding, you know, his role and he's been able to really find his shot. And I just think he, like you say, like he's our, 
he averages the most minute on our team. And I just think he's a steady heartbeat to this team. You know, he's not always like our leading scorer. He's not always, you know, has the ball in hand. But he he's always more often than not, he's on the court. He's he's contributing on contributing on defense. You know, he's he's swinging the ball on offense. And I, I just think he, he's such a crucial part of, of our rotation and of, of all these guys. And I know a lot of people were upset with him early on and not being able to score and his shot looked bad and all this. But I really think he's finding his place. And shout out, shout out to JJ. Shout out to JJ is right. Uh, that kind of leads us to a couple of awards. A couple of, I guess, you know, two, three awards that we want to sort of give out, I guess, or talk about who you would give them to on this squad. I want to start off first, Zach, with, I mean, all the discussion has been the bench. Who would be your sixth man of the year on this roster right now? Okay, so I'm going to propose two, and then we're going to have a back and forth to choose one. We have to choose one. Unfortunately, we can't. No co-champions, even though I think okay. I think that there's two that deserve it, but we're, we're going to have to break it down. I think it's pretty obvious who the first one is. Malik Brown, he's been fantastic coming in for, for Naheem all year long. Along with that, he's recently emerged. He's been playing good all year, but recently I think he's he's found himself right right next to Malik, and that's quite a year. I think those are definitely the top two guys. I would definitely have to go with Malik, though. I think his play over the past five or six games has been sensational. He has proved himself to be the best defender uh, in this lineup. And Malik has been, I really did not expect. And to an extent, I'm still shocked that he has had so much success. If I'm being completely honest with everybody that he has had so much success in this lineup, that he has had so much success in the center position but Malik Brown for sure would be my sixth man of the year. Who would be your most improved player from last year? So far, like obviously this is so far, so far. Yeah. So far and just want to clarify that this, this will change throughout the year. And that's what makes this a little hard because we don't have, you know, the full, full year to look at. Cause early on, I would definitely, I mean, regardless, just thinking out loud here, Chris Bell is on my mind. The step he made from his freshman year this year massive absolutely massive I think you gotta you gotta consider Quadir here again you know the way he's contributing this year the role he stepped into as well massive you know we can't we're not gonna give two awards to the same guy so just for that sake I'm gonna leave Malik out of most improved even though he has made a huge step as well but between those two guys I'm super big on our guy Q, but I think I'm going to give it to Chris. The way he shot the ball so far this year, I know he's in a little bit of a shooting rut right now, but I'm confident he's going to he's going to bounce back from that and continue to have a great sophomore season. I'm not just saying this just because you said Chris, and I was actually thinking Chris too. I'm thinking I'm kind of convincing myself that it might be Q. I think from the minutes and just the stats point of view from last year to this year has been a massive leap in contribution that Q has had, especially more recently. Um, in the beginning of the year, he was still kind of finding his groove, as it was everybody, but he was still kind of finding his groove, especially when we were 
um, over in Maui. So I think the amount of uh, work that Q puts in is is fantastic and the amount of emotion that he has he's such a crafty guy and no matter what he does even if it is a little bit too flashy at times he's just he's just such a good player and he's the guy that we need on this team my final award Zach before we go into that I just want to mention real quick you know we're having a hard time choosing one guy for this and it just speaks to the depth that we've 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 covered already but a lot of these guys could fit into most approved. A lot of these guys could be six man, and you know, throughout this year, I'm sure even more contenders will make a case for six man or most improved. So our depth has been amazing, and you know, they're really starting to blossom. You know, that 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 second team, those those bench guys, they're, they're really starting to blossom, and I'm just really excited. So sorry, go ahead. My last award here has to do with. More- I mean, has to do it with, has to do with a lot who's of who's the best guy of, on this team. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're gonna do something a little different, right? We're gonna do something a little different. This isn't really an award. This would be more like a badge that we would give to a player. In your eyes, if you had the ability to do this all year long, we've talked about who would the captain be? Who would the captain be? Who's the leader on this team? In your eyes. Who would you give right now, 11 games into the season, Who would or 12 games, whatever we're at, who would you give that badge of honor to? Who is the leader on this team? Bro, you're going to throw this one in here? I am, <laughs> Out yeah. of nowhere? Out of nowhere. I'm going to do it. I don't think there's a, a perfect, clear leader consistently. And, you know, Judah comes across on my mind because of the way he, when, when he's playing well and, you know, things are great. I obviously his energy is great and he, he really leads by example and by just pure force and willpower to to score and to lead this team literally to victory. JJ again, with that, with a steady heartbeat that he brings to the squad. And then again, I gotta, I gotta, gotta mention Q would just, the energy and positivity that is so you can't underrate the positivity that the Q brings to this team and just the spark that this team desperately needs. And he is the guy that provides that. I think that element is the most important element that he brings. So I don't know if I can give you a firm answer. Who is the, the go-to guy? So I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to throw it back to you, Cam. What do you think out of those three guys? It's pretty tough because I kind of wanted to ask this to almost make a point that regardless of how good the bench is and how good the lineup is, we still don't know who that leader is. It's still not clearly defined. And I'm not saying it necessarily needs to be, but there are instances where emotion gets the better of players and some, some boneheaded mistakes happen and there needs to be control on the team. Unfortunately, this is a younger squad and they're going to have many of those mistakes, but there needs to be somebody that's going to be able to corral everybody, going to be able to control everybody. You've actually kind of seen that a little bit with Malik, sort of his level-headedness, calming down players. You know, I don't think he's shoulder, vocal though. Like, he just, he he just he just, he's so locked in. He just he just does yeah. his thing. Like he doesn't like if he dunks in your face and it's insane, <laughs> he, he just walks away. 
He doesn't say anything. You know, he, he's like, he doesn't smile. He's just, he just does his job, dude. He he brings his lunch, lunch pail and goes to work every single game. And it's, it's he great. He leads, he leads like Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. That's exactly what he does. He leads like Kawhi Leonard and just with a straight face, he just kind of does it. So I think that if I were to have to choose somebody that could be at the top of the candidacy for being a captain, you could say Malik, you could say Q. I I'll be honest with you, I don't really think that Judah's really in that conversation. Uh I think that there's a little bit of growing that needs to be done there, which I think he very well could could do this year. You could maybe say JJ. That's a problem, is that it's a that's a really difficult award to give out. And I, I kind of wanted to make that point that there's still that issue with the team. Uh we could go to like who would be the MVP. Obviously it's Judah, but you know, that's that's a little bit too easy, man. We had to think about it. We just had to think about this award. That's all. I'm most uh, I'm most hot on Quartier. I think as the season goes, especially if he keeps progressing and keeps adding those minutes and keeps contributing the way he, he does. I think the more we go, just the way he corrals the team, like he makes the most impact vocally already. You know, obviously it's hard to do from the bench. It's hard to do with limited minutes. But as he continues to grow and as he progresses, if that happens, I think Quartier kick step into the role big time moving forward here. I could see that too. I could see him very much embracing that role that a guy like Samir Torrance had left. Um, He's the most like Psy. I'm not saying that a leader needs to be like Psy, but he is the most, like you said, most vocal, most energetic person out there on the court. I think if you had to give it to somebody, it would it would probably be Q. I'll sit here at the two three man. We love energy. We really do. We love the energetic players. We love the guys that are coming off the bench. A guy like Sai, a guy like Q, coming off, putting in some good minutes and getting the team under control. Not even really getting them under control. Just like steering them in the direction that they need to be in is extremely important. But. I think that Sai is, is greatly missed because uh, his his seniority would be very well appreciated uh, on this squad. I think that's that's missed quite a bit right now. That leads us into one last fun little game. We're gonna we're gonna get to it. They did it at halftime. Our guy Jim Beheim led the way, where they gave a gift of a former player. So, what former Q's player do you think could most help? this current roster. Now there's a lot that you could choose from. There's a a pretty obvious pick that you could choose, but if we're being real with ourselves, let's get a list. It's, it's, it's Santa's list. You can ask for a few. Okay. Let's get a little list. Why not? Okay. Uh, well the obvious pick is Jesse. We desperately need somebody like Jesse on this team. He would have, if he, if he stayed at Q's, he would be doing great right now. He would be, he would, this team would be unstoppable with Jesse, but alas, he's not here, but he's greatly missed. I think a guy like Cy is also greatly missed. Just having that leadership, having that seniority, having that grad student who's been around quite a bit is, is sorely missed. Um, 
and I think just the the level headedness too of Sai was was greatly missed. So those are my two guys. I would love to hear who who's on your your top of the leaderboard for for Santa's list. Dear Santa, <laughs> I would like Elijah Hughes. Oh, back on this roster. Can you imagine Ooh. a versatile guy like Elijah Hughes? I love our forwards. I love our rotation of forwards. But Elijah Hughes, that man was different. That could be nice. Yeah, that could be really nice. Or a guy like Tyler Lydon could be really interesting to have. Could you imagine Tyler Lydon on this this group? All these guys are they're kind of just people that we grew up watching. I say grew up watching. It really wasn't that long ago. But uh, this team now seems so young compared to the teams that we were watching, Zach, back in our apartment just a, a handful of years ago. This team just seems so young compared to them. And I don't know if it's because we're getting older now and that was like six years ago, but... I don't know. Just or it could actually just be because there's just a whole bunch of sophomores on this team, but it just seems like they're just so young compared to the guys like Elijah Hughes, Tyus Battle, Tyler Lydon, Michael Benajay. All those guys it just seems like so long ago. Yeah, I mean, all those guys are like our age, and now these guys yeah. are like you know nineteen, twenty, and we're you know pushing pushing late. Late 20s, so... Don't, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that, man. That's so sad. A guy like Elijah Hughes could be really cool. I mean, I think uh, really. I think the center position would be the greatest gift. So write that in the note to Santa, that center... I mean, obviously, I don't want to dog. Dog our guys, Naheem. Don't want to dog the great job that Malik is doing. But if we're, if we're making a list, and we're checking it twice, we got to put the center position on it. I like that. I I think I think that's a good list. I think Santa will be very happy about all that. Speaking of Santa, Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh if you don't hear from us, also Happy New Year to everyone out there uh from the 23 wishing you and yours uh happy holidays. Um the next game will be ACC matchups coming up. Pittsburgh uh on the docket. In the Dome on December 30th. And then after that, I'm not even going to say their name, but we're going to North Carolina and Durham to play a basketball team. We don't need to say their names. It's fine. That'll be on January 2nd. Anyway, Zach, until then, Merry Christmas to everybody. The gauntlet of ACC is upon us. It's a beautiful time of year. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Let's go Cuse.